Hello, and welcome to the Morning Bell podcast, where we interview authors, discuss writing-related topics, and talk about the writing process as a whole. If you want any more information about the Morning Bell and what it is, look up themorningbell.net. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics that you'd like to see discussed, email the co-editor of the Morning Bell, Kezia Lebanski, at the email address kezia at themorningbell.net. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell podcast on the 2nd of September. I decided to actually do a new thing, Lucas, and that is actually say the date um, on the intro because I think it's quite helpful instead of just saying we're at Brunswick Street, which is what I usually do. You think that's a good idea? Yeah, it's great. Sometimes I forget what date it is and I need a podcast to help me. The thing is, I've got a watch now, so it actually helps me so I don't actually mess up the dates, as I'm known to do on often podcasts. But you just had the voice of my substitute co-host... Uh, because the real co-host, that's nice, uh, is off in Vietnam, apparently. And uh, he'll apparently. be talking... Yeah. You're saying he might not be he there? He could have not told me the truth and gone somewhere else instead. You never know. But he's in Vietnam, and he will be coming back in... Not the next podcast. You'll also be hearing Lucas on the next one. But the one after that, we'll be back with Luke, and we can talk about his writing trip. How did that go, and whether it gave him any fresh inspiration to write anything else? So that'll be interesting. But Lucas, yeah. how are you going? Yeah, how has right. your week been? All right, not too bad. Nah, uh, it's been okay. Nothing, nothing special. Mm. I actually have been spending the last couple of days. I'm putting together a website, a real one. Okay. Um, and as I often do in these kinds of things, I realize as I start, I'm going to do everything myself. And I realized I just have zero flair mm-hmm. for any kind of aesthetics. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I know the feeling. Yeah, so I need to make sure my website does not end up looking too crappy or it looks very crappy and people laugh at it. Yeah. I want one of those, it, nothing in between. It's the lovable, you know, Yeah. look. The thing with websites that I find really difficult is when I, um, when I was building mine, really simple because I like the muted color palette of red, black, and gray. Mm-hmm. Really simple. Gone with white mostly. It's nice. You went with like the black text on the. No, white, white text. A white text? Yeah, white text. On what background? You can't see anything. Okay. I was about to say. No, it's black text. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say. Oh, look, is he doing something postmodern or. No. That'd be interesting. No. Apparently not interesting. No. But guess who is interesting? Our guest for today. Uh, Christine Croydon is a Melbourne-based playwright, author, lyricist, and screenwriter whose plays have been produced throughout Australia and most recently in New York. They include The Cat's Paw, The Snail Killer, Love Your Poison, A Stranger in Town, A Musical Fable, The Fallen Tree, Lovesick, and How to Survive an Earthquake. Christine is the author of two novels for young adults and many short stories and articles. Christine, welcome to the podcast. Hi. So, that is a lot of things on that bio Obviously, a lot of plays, so I'm guessing that's your strong suit, uh, or where you feel most comfortable? I guess, yeah. There's seven or eight full-length plays there, which has mm-hmm. been a, a good 15 years' work, yeah. Yeah? Mm. Fantastic. So what has your week been like? Uh, pretty good so far. Pretty good? Busy? Yeah. Gearing yeah. up for the theatre season? Gearing up for the Melbourne Writers' Theatre season, which is about to begin, and the Melbourne Festival, which I'm looking forward to seeing a few things during the Melbourne Festival. Very interesting. Anything in particular? Uh I want to see the 1984 George Orwell 
the oh, nice the um, production by an English theatre company, mm-hmm. and I'm also going to see uh, Desdemona, which is um, Tony Morrison's take yep. on uh, the Othello character Desdemona. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that wraps us up for what you two have been doing. For me, it's just same old, same old. Um, writing away on my novellas, and that's about it. So, without further ado, let's move on to the film, theatre, and TV discussion. Uh, I think... Film, theatre, and TV discussion. I always say that. Do you? Yeah. But we never mention the theatre. Because... Maybe it's try- you're trying to uh, encourage us to go. It's like, well, you should really go to the theatre. I've been trying to do this to myself for a very long time. It's just, I always find something to get in the way or something, and then I just don't go. I wanted to... Um, there was actually a really good... Uh, t- this has nothing to do with theatre, but there was a very good production on at um, the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra, and they were doing... Oh, I forget now. Um, it wasn't It wasn't Swan Lake. It was... Uh, oh, I've just blanked. But basically, they were doing a fantastic musical number, and I really wanted to go. Um, but that was during a podcast week. What I'm saying is I, I prize, you know, uh, professionalism over entertainment. Is well, that right, that's, Lucas? that's fair enough. Um, yeah, I've... No, I haven't gone to see any theatre, mm-hmm. which maybe I should. Which makes us seem maybe, like... Maybe we now we have the theatre right Which makes us seem like barbarians in we, front of exactly. Christine right well, now. It doesn't surprise me because there are <laughs> not that many people in Melbourne who do go to the theatre and I really right. wish that more people would because... Uh, we need audiences. But <laughs> don't you think we're just the Luddites here? And, uh, no, no, oh, no. I'm definitely one. No, no. I mean, in terms I of my taste am, of things. Melbourne is Melbourne's a pretty it arty is, city, isn't still, it? But still, there's a lot of great theatre in Melbourne, a lot and very good independent theatre. and it's That don't get a lot of attention. Uh, look, it, it, gets, it gets enough attention to keep itself going, but it, it can always use more audiences. And I think if people go to the theatre and see, see a few things, they, 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 they'll keep coming back mm. because we have a great... Uh, a great independent theatre scene in Melbourne, mm-hmm. and uh, we just need more support. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe, should, maybe we should go morning bell excursion. Morning bell excursion to the <laughs> just theatre, that's go a good to the idea. Theater. That could be yeah. a very good recording right there. It, yeah, could. it could. Do that. Mm. Special edition. We went to the theatre. Hopefully we don't go. It's like, how was the play? It was rubbish. <laughs> we yeah, don't the first do experience work. should always be good. Yes, we need obviously. A good we need to, to just... Well, you can't guarantee that, can you? No, obviously. Live entertainment. Just like a book or a movie, exactly. You don't know if it's going to be. But you can put down a book and walk out of a movie, (laughs) but you really can't walk out of a theatre. Can't you? No, it's extremely. Do you want to be that really? Do you want to be that rude? I don't. It's not a good thing. Don't do it. So compared to say walking out of a film where there's nobody there, nobody's alive. Yeah, nobody's alive. (laughs) unless you walk out during like a premiere or something. Oh, that Which would be. generally only I've. It's usually like a headline when that happens. Like, you know, man, you know, someone walks out of horror movie premiere due to graphic violence. It's usually something oh, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. How many yeah. plays have graphic violence? I'll go to that one. <laughs> you see, this <laughs> is my taste. <laughs> with and this is an interesting discussion. I guess that it just erupted out of this idea of we don't see theatre. We um, don't see enough theatre. We don't. Yeah, and mm. that is. Do you think the barrier for entry? seems high to like say the I think, average I think ticket prices are higher but I've just come back from Berlin and uh in in Berlin everybody goes to the theater But do you the think that's like full. a culture that's made around it? I think it's a culture it, it's it's a definitely a, a culture in Europe more to go to the theater. Yeah. But um people 
you know, go to the movies, they go to mm-hmm. the football, but really they don't uh, support the theatre. And I think that yeah. the prices for the main stage productions have something to do with that because the MTC and, you know, they're up to $60, $90 a ticket now. Yeah. So that's, that's not suitable. You could say that a, a lot about uh, music content, concerts or any kind of live event. Yeah. We, we can't, in Australia, expensive. we get kind of, you know, Cold short feet. end. I'd bet they short end of the stick in terms of pricing. Yeah. Um, yeah, because we've got a small population. And it is. It's pay, if, mm. if they're doing a, a tour, like a full tour, it is very difficult as every. Mm-hmm. You've you got to get to a plan to go everywhere. But I guess more reason to go see a local production instead. And also, students and young people get concession prices, usually about $25 for the Yeah, that's person. right. And, that, you know, yeah. that's that's the future of theatre. Young people, we really need to encourage mm. young people to go to the theatre. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, with the barrier of entry of price um, being a factor, but do you think there's also, because in many ways, I guess, Australia is not a culture that's built around the theatre, um, do you think that because that actually exists, the idea of going to the theatre is seen sort of I don't know. It's a bit too highbrow for a lot of people. I think it's fairly middle class. Most people regard it as being a fairly mm. middle class thing to do. Uh, if you go to the MTC, you know, that many many people are much older in yeah. the audience. Um, the Malthouse is trying hard to get young audiences. Mm-hmm. Independent theatre is made by young people yeah. generally, so they tend to go and support their friends. Yeah. They just need to spread the word and, you know, it's a great way to spread to, to go and see something and then go out for dinner and talk about it. And yeah, yeah right. I think that's the thing to get it. more this conversation um, happening. Yeah, more plays by younger people, mm. as that would probably be more of an interest rather than going and seeing The King and I or something yeah, like yeah. that. But that's the problem. We have this uh, culture whereby we keep pr- reproducing, you know, the classics or reinterpreting yeah, the classics. Or as far as musical goes, I mean, The yeah. King and I. Yeah. See, I have no interest in seeing that. No, I don't want to see Greece. You know, well, I don't. Well, I don't want to see the King and I or Greece either. I'd no. like to see a new Australian musical. But, yeah, um, exactly. We don't. We don't have the infrastructure. I mean, I'm writing one at the moment, so I hope people come and see that. But um, maybe we should go see it. Yeah, wow. I'll send you the details. Fantastic. That'll be the morning bell excursion for you. Yes. There you go. That'll be. That'll be the way that'll to go. Yeah. That'll be next year. Mm. It's called the White Mouse. It's about Nancy Wake, who was an Australian World War Two heroine. She worked with the French Resistance and, yeah. Um, yeah, very interesting woman. She was a maverick and uh, not someone a lot of people know a lot about. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know this person. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she was born in New Zealand, grew up in Australia and went to Europe. Oh. Like Sounds someone. like my kind of, mm. kind of theatre. This is during World War II, though, so yeah. it's been a while ago. Fantastic. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, moving from theatre to more of our pop culture stuff, <laughs> uh, as it were, um, what have we been watching this week? Well, Christine, I don't think you've seen any TV or film this week, you said? Uh, I watched Q&A. Okay. I, I haven't watched anything else. I've been to see a film. I went to see a French film called Girlhood, which was um, very good. Mm-hmm. And um, Was that at the Nova? At the Nova. Yeah. It was in the film festival last year, and, and it's, right. just got main, it's just got distribution at the Nova, I Left think. an impression? Yeah, yeah, it was mm. very interesting. About four young African women living in Paris and in the outer suburbs. Mm. Fantastic. Lucas? Um, Keeping on theme about uh, local productions, I've seen... What are you doing, Joel? Continue. He's getting out of his seat. He's going mad. I think he's fixing the mic, but... but, Oh, no. 
but I saw three uh, Australian genre films. Okay. Varying quality. Okay. Um, uh, noticeable a couple, couple of them are remakes of um, old uh, exploitation film. Mm-hmm. Uh, one I was very much looking forward to, and I may have brought this up, but with you before, is a remake of a film, Turkey Shoot. Turkey Shoot being the height of Australian trash. Yeah. And possibly my favourite Australian movie, <laughs> uh, they remade it. And it's one of those ones that I was I was dis- I was getting geared for disappointment before mm-hmm. because um it's getting very little exposure. Hearing you know, you, you hear nothing from it and very muted release. I don't even know if it was hardly in cinemas. Then I went and I got it saw it at home. It's not a great movie. Oh. It's, it's and I'm saying like I'm the exact audience. Yeah. Yeah, the I like B movies, yeah. action movies, and I know Turkey Shoot, but it was one third of a good movie, and then it kind of went off the rails in terms in a like bad way. In a bad way, yeah. That is to say, it stopped being full of action because Turkey Shoot, very simple premise. Um, the original one was um, it was a dystopian future of mm-hmm. two thousand. <laughs> yeah, 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 and. Uh, these prisoners were being used, hunted for sport by rich people. It changed to more of a... It's like a reality show concept. Yeah. Kind of your battle what, what royale. What sort of people did you say? What sort of people? Prisoners. Prisoners, right. So getting hunts. Yeah. And so, very simple, shocky premise, but didn't fulfil. Yeah. I also saw uh, Patrick, which is... Yeah. I've heard um, of this. Yes, yeah. Again, very... Is this from you? I've heard, yeah. Almost definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it was popular at the time, but it had a very um, limited release. Like, I tried to go see this film in the cinema, and I was already too late. So I finally watched it now. It's decent. Not as good as your original. Yeah, still again, one of those decent, But I think it would have been better if it got more... Exposure if you had a decent run in the cinema, mm. decent cast as well. Um, probably most the biggest name would be Rachel Griffiths, who yeah. was in it. Um, and it was just you know, a kind of a hor- horror movie, you know, yeah, thriller, and yeah. That stuff people go see those lots just because it's is that a schlock horror movie with a nurse that's based on something that was done in the 70s yes yes yeah I saw see the original I've seen the original yeah mm. and mm. it's yeah and another one I saw to round it off the best one of the lot uh, Wormwood Road of the Dead which is an independently made um, zombie movie mm-hmm. it was made it was one of those ones it was very you know not made by professionals like a hundred $50,000 budget. Yeah. Done on weekends. Nothing groundbreaking. It's a zombie movie. But it was very well done, you know. Never let up with the action. Mm. And it was... And it was one of those ones like... And I don't... Like, people like zombie movies. Why yeah, can't yeah. someone give this, a, give this a chance? It was pretty much straight to DVD. Yeah. As a lot of Australian films are. Mm-hmm. But this one... Sure, it was low budget, but... It knew what it was. It knew what it was. Yeah. And it did it well. But not well enough, apparently. Well, I'm not sh- sure exactly how well it's doing mm. on DVD. It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Because you, yeah. you don't get 
really the figures. You get the movie. The- Unless it's gigantic and then it makes headline news and then, you know, people start talking about it. And Have then you it heard gets- of it? No. Yeah. I guess that, yeah. But then again, I, I know nothing about this genre, so, you know. I- A lot of people still don't know much about Australian films. They don't care much for them. Mm, well, I guess it's... It annoys me. And th- this, this is an interesting topic, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about this. This could be a whole topic. They could, yeah. Maybe we should just have a whole episode, like... Hours about Australian film. And, and I can be the guest and, <laughs> and the co-host. I'll do everything. Yeah, we should... Um, or we could get a real film person. I Yeah, I have a name in mind. We might do that, actually. That's a good idea. And you know this name. We're teasing a lot, but... It's uh, teasing. No, yeah. no, no, you're not teasing the audience. You're teasing Lucas as well. Yeah. Well, you'll find out after, but the audience won't. Um, so, those are your three films, Lucas? Yeah, I just I decided for the podcast to see a few films that I with a theme. See, I didn't do any of that. Actually, I didn't see anything, but I did see something. It wasn't fiction. It was a, a documentary, uh, and uh, it was uh, I believe it um, screened in uh, Ireland in 2013. I'd like to say. Um, but I just came on SBS uh, two weeks ago, and I watched it. it just out of the blue. I, I really enjoy um, a, a, a varying degrees of documentaries. Uh, but this one really pinched enough because I, I love everything about the British Isles. And this one was about the Shannon River, um, which basically cuts right across um, Ireland. And it's the largest liver, uh, river liver, uh, in the British Isles. Now, it we've all seen at least one or a little bit of, you know, David Attenborough's uh, shows. And and they're good. And you can never say, like, oh, I found that quite bad. But they're very intense. They're very um, they're very focused. And you get it and, and you feel almost blown away by the complexity of everything that's going on. And it's, it's a little hard to take in sometimes. It's good. Uh, but the reason why I really like the way this particular documentary was shot, it was done in a very, very smart way. Uh, the concept being is that uh, there's a guy on a boat and he goes down the Shannon River and he talks to you as if you were right next to him. It doesn't feel like there's a script, and I'm sure there is, but it doesn't feel like there's a script or that there is um, certain moments that are meant to happen or that you're meant to go from one topic to the next topic. And he says right out from on the intros, uh, I don't have any particular agenda on this river. It's just I want to experience the river in all 12 seasons. Um, I just said 12 seasons, uh, rather in all the seasons of the year. That's a, what's, what's up with Ireland's climate? <laughs> I thought it just rained More all the time. More seasons than the rest of the world. Um, but it was done very well in the, in the way that, uh, you see him talk and he would talk about a particular topic and, and then he would say something very human, like, I'm not sure why they do that, but it's always curious to me. And just these moments of these human fallibilities, you know, even with narration, was so well done. It was hypnotizing to me. And I watched, um, there's a, it's only two, uh, one hour, um, shows and yeah, it's probably one of the best, um, or well-made documentaries I've seen in a very long time. And just one person narrating. Yeah. So that, that leads on to the monologue. That is a monologue. It does then. definitely lead yes, on to the monologue. the uninterrupted speech made by one person. So why don't we go directly into that? And uh, well, that's what, yeah, that's why I'm here to speak about the Melbourne Writers Theatre season that, that's, that's right. coming up, which is, um... We've got two seasons, two separate seasons. The first is a play called The Agreement, uh, which is a one-act play, followed by a week of what we've called the Melbourne Monologues. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's five different uh, Melbourne writers who've written a monologue, and they're all being produced uh, together with one director mm-hmm. and five different actors. 
So, yeah, but the monologue can be, you know, one of the most challenging because it's a yeah. one-person, as you say, narration, mm-hmm. and it, what's important is there has to be something at stake. That person yeah. has to want something. So there's a reason why they're there delivering this monologue, mm-hmm. speaking to someone who may or you know, may not be on stage or perhaps to the audience yeah. as opposed to speaking to themselves because mm-hmm. then it's a soliloquy as opposed to a monologue. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a very strong dramatic form and uh, can be quite a powerful experience. It's very strong and also I think very um, – it's not – I haven't heard a lot of it, you know, in, in, in – not that it doesn't exist or anything. I'm mm. just saying it, it's – we always – when we think of theatre, we think of plays, we think of productions. We don't really think of a monologue as being a production, but it really is, isn't well, it? Well, yeah, like, there's many one-man shows or yeah. one-woman shows. I mean, any uh, uninterrupted emotional sort of outpouring mm-hmm. has to have a motivation. Yeah. And uh, the motivation has to drive the narrative. And uh, obviously that's harder to do in a one-woman show that might go for an hour mm. or uh, a 10-minute monologue. Yeah. Uh, can be quite challenging to write as mm-hmm. well. But if you read most plays, they're interspersed with monologues and soliloquies. Yeah, and it's part of the actual It's part play. of the yeah. actual form. But, um, yeah, fundamentally a monologue should advance the narrative in mm-hmm. a play or, of course, if it's of itself. Mm. Yeah. So there has to be so- it has to be about something, has to be driving it forward and there have to be stakes. So when you say it has to be about something, I guess you could say um, when you look at short story structure or whatever, it's always, you know, there's a motivation for the character to go forward. Yeah. Uh, with a monologue, um, because most of our audience are readers and emerging mm-hmm. writers, you know, uh, theatre, we were just talking about, you know, how we don't see any uh, theatre and we really should, but even more so in a monologue, it's, it's quite intense and even the writing... Yeah, well, it has the same features as a short story insofar okay. as you have the immediacy of a short mm-hmm. story, the intensity. Yeah, um, yeah it's a short form mm-hmm. often. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the difference, I guess, in terms of uh, the theatricality, you can manipulate yeah. time. You can do that in a short story as well. Um, but the subtext has to be quite strong. Mm-hmm. I mean... And then you can use the language. You can use um, if you if you're a, say you're a medical character doing a medical sort of story. You'd have lots of uh, medical analogies or words, and you know you can use play that with sort of, language. Play yeah. with language. Um, yeah. So, but it, it 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 for me the dramatic monologue is the closest thing to a short story. Really, if you were looking for another form that yeah is a little bit like that. Yeah. Well, I guess it is in what is that. In a monologue, you are attempting to fit quite a lot in a short period of time. Yeah. Mm. And particularly for these ones that are going to be during the theatre season are just monologues. It is exactly like a short story, isn't it? You've got to try and fit well, in. Well, each one is a story, yeah. 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 So it basically is a short story. Yeah. Of sorts. But I guess the difference but, is there's no exposition in a monologue. I mean, in drama... Yeah. It's a direct conversation, yeah. Yeah, the characters only open their mouths if they want something. You yeah. Know, you, don't, you don't have gratuitous sort of exposition. Which... There's no which room is good. for fat mm. really. flab, flab you on don't, a monologue. You, yeah, exactly. If you got a... Mm. If it's a ten-minute thing, you've got to exp- exp- have exposition for five minutes. So here's, yeah. so here's everything, and then you've got to get into it. That's... Yeah, Probably so the job, of, the job of the dramatist is to sort of make the audience want to know what's going to happen mm-hmm. next, not to tell them what's going to happen next. 
Yeah. So, you know, you really can get rid of exposition completely and tension and suspense are your friends Mm -hmm. when you're writing a monologue. If you can suspend, you know, keep them interested, keep their curiosity up, that is not to say, you know, put in red herrings, but, you know, it has to be a a, a cognizant sort of story. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. suspense is great in a monologue. works really well. So, you know, you mentioned that uh, within a play often you will have monologues uh, and soliloquies. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you just have a monologue, um, how difficult do you think it would be, say, someone who has no theatre experience, they want to write something for for the theatre, do you think it is a valid thing to go into a monologue instead of going into something? It's often the first step a a writer will take Mm -hmm. when they're trying to write for theatre, yes. Because you're inside the head of one character. It's an intimate sort of just one, yeah. Whereas if you're trying to write a whole suite of characters Mm -hmm. and interact them and, you know, build dramatic tension and that, that's far more complex task but yeah. if, if you write uh, it's it's hard to write a good monologue it's very hard to write a good yeah. monologue but it's a good place to start to try and get inside the head of someone and just give them a story and, and start speaking mm-hmm. but of course you have to have in your head when you're writing it who are they speaking to to whom are they speaking mm-hmm. um, what are they speaking about I mean what's the subtext of what they're speaking about mm-hmm. it's not going to be ex- Position. It's just going to be at the subtext, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's it's a crafting. It is quite, um, you know, you can write, just write it out, and then keep going back to it. And I always leave things for a while, let them settle, then read them again, go back to it. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, um, what we do at Melbourne Writers Theatre is we give those sorts of writers the experience of hearing the words spoken, which is what theatre right. is. And yep. um, you know, most writers are writing in isolation, and um, Theatre writing is is all about collaboration. So you need to work with directors, actors, designers, lighting people, sound mm. people to make it, you know, work. And okay. um, that's what we do. We we have a once every couple of months we have a um, a season called Eat Your Words, where we get new writers to bring along little bits and pieces from their plays, and we let them hear that. We let we give the actors the the scripts and they read them out and interpret them. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the writers learn from that experience. So that's how we're trying to develop develop script writing so we've we've sort of talked about um from the page and you mm-hmm. know putting down those words and getting that monologue out and you mentioned production um what goes into that production you know um or for a monologue for instance because it's just really one person yeah. speaking. well they uh, have to uh obviously the eat my words is, is well, just so. um a script reading mm-hmm. yeah which is you know like just a cold read yeah. which is you've got the script you're reading it yeah uh whereas what we're producing in october mm-hmm at the courthouse, La Mama Courthouse in Drummond Street, is a production. Yep. So the actors will have learnt the lines, they mm-hmm. will have rehearsed, worked with the director, um, she will have staged it and, you know, brought the brought the monologue through with yeah. them and, um, yeah, their performances. So that's mm-hmm. a full, full production. Yeah. So those monologues were selected by the director from a whole... Uh, whole lot of submissions that mm-hmm. we we get every year we send out a submission call and then we get uh, a director and an independent dramaturg to read all the submissions and uh, select the season all right mm-hmm. um with when you when you put together a submission like this mm-hmm. uh i guess what i'm wanting is is the you know the magic bullet you know what gets that the magic bullet what yeah. gets that uh that monologue to the director and they go bam that's a that's well a winner. that's the writing but the thing is first of all read the submission guidelines carefully yep. read some monologues get some out read them mm-hmm. 
go to the theatre. If you want to write for theatre, for God's sake, go to the yeah. theatre. Because Sounds it's like not good advice for any kind of submission yeah, pretty much. ever. Yeah. Read see the examples. Submission guidelines. Yeah. Read submission guidelines. Mm-hmm. Mm. Go see the kind of thing that they have. That's right. Yeah, go see the sort of thing that you're interested in because mm-hmm. that's the sort of thing you're going to probably try and write. Put together, yeah. yeah. So do all of that and send it in. You know, make it clean, double space at one side of the page. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no fancy fonts or sort of little sort of things people put on scripts and yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm an editor as well, so <laughs> those things really annoy me. Yep. Use punctuation. You know, don't write too many stage directions because most of the time directors change them and ignore yeah. them anyway. So in many ways it's a bit like a script for a screenplay. Basically guess, leaving leave the directing to the director. Yeah, yeah, leave the directing to the director. You know, write a few things. Obviously you have to write yeah, where it's right. taking place. Yeah. What you know, where is it? Basic direction, yeah. Yeah. The end of a pier mm-hmm. or in a lounge room. Um, yeah, so you just, it's like a recipe, mm. you know, that's what it is. And, uh, the director will then just read it. I mean, if, it, if it begins, as soon as you've read the first couple of lines, you can usually tell whether you're engaged by something. Yeah, that's if, right. If you read enough submissions. With, uh, audiences and, um, you know, we were talking about theatre earlier and mm-hmm. getting people, do you think it's harder to get people in to see somebody who's basically narrating, I guess, or it's not a narration, but... Uh, monologuing, I guess, is... Um, do you think that's a harder sell? Uh, Maybe as it a, is. As a Maybe it is. People want to see more more action on yeah, stage. Like, yeah. mm, I'm not sure, but if you've, if you've seen a lot of theatre and, and you, you can, you've mm. sort of experienced the power of a really good monologue, mm-hmm. um, and I, I really like monologues myself, yeah. uh, because they're so telling and, and there's so much about character, and uh, also performances. It's a test for the actor as well, so mm-hmm. it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, they've really got to get into that character and there's no one for them to bounce off. There's no other actor there yeah. other than an imaginary person who they may be speaking to who could be sitting opposite them on stage, yeah. whatever they need to do to create the ambience. But, um, yeah, it's a challenge. I, I, I appreciate them because I think they are um, challenging and, and, you know, testing the actor mm-hmm. and testing the writing as well because there's nothing worse than bad theatre. Yeah, you know, I've yeah. I've sat in theatres and just wanted to strangle myself with my own scarf many times, but I've never walked out because mm. you can't do that to the actors. Yeah, but, um, there is something about sitting through a really bad play that's I just want that fifteen twenty minutes of my life back. <laughs> Whereas with a book, you can put it down. That's right. You can without any guilt or anything. Yeah, yeah you, you can, can just be done with movie. it. Yeah. Um, with uh, when you say uh, when the actor is delivering it, in, in many ways you're talking about the writer um, because... Well, the actor's delivering the writer's words. Yeah, yeah. because mm-hmm. that... How how do you think as a writer putting together the script, and in many ways I guess this crosses over with screenwriting as well, Yeah. Um, the delivery you know, of what you want to get, do you think that's all in the writing? <sighs> Look, it's it's part in the writing and part of it's in the performance. Mm. But as, as a writer, you never tell an actor how to deliver a line. Yeah. You just stay stay well out of it and let them mm-hmm. work with the director and find their own way into the piece because yeah. that's part of the beauty of working as a as a theatre writer. Yeah. You don't know what they're going to come out with and sometimes, you know, it's pleasantly surprising. surprising. Yeah. Sometimes you just think, you they know... They just messed that up. <laughs> they just really didn't get that at all. But um, that's out of your control. Do you think that's daunting, though, as a writer uh, who, again... Um, say traditional fiction, very solitary profession, you know, yeah, apart yeah. from screenwriting, that is, and uh, and then you go into theatre, which is you know collaboration a lot of the it's all times. Collaboration, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that is a bit 
you know, Kill Your Darlings-esque because Yeah, you, it's pretty scary. Yeah. Mm. And getting over those nerves and oh, somebody's going to be reading this or yep. somebody's going to be producing yep. this. Yep. Somebody's going to make their own their own interpretation of your words and yeah. uh, you just have to, if you want to see it produced, I mean, unless you're involved in the actual production phase, which we try and have the writers a little bit involved at yeah, Melbourne okay. Writers' Theatre, yep. but because a lot of them are emerging writers, they, they need to learn to be respectful of the director and the actors and let them do their work mm-hmm. and maybe step back a bit. Okay. So I think uh, that's how you learn as a writer. Finding your feet, yeah. Yeah, and watching the actors' process because actors are incredibly skilled at what they do and, um, yeah, many, many playwrights are probably frustrated actors, <laughs> introverted, frustrated actors. <laughs> That's how I, I see myself anyway. I, yeah. I'd never be able to get, go on stage. but um, You can put the words down. Yeah, yeah. Don't have much trouble with that, but I wouldn't want to be delivering them. <laughs> the you know when we when you said emerging writers uh with the melbourne writers mm. theater how, wh- where's the push for that emerging writers is it you know basically you're more i guess biased towards people who are new or well there's if you're a successful writer you you're emerging until you've had your first play produced really mm-hmm. by you know by an independent company or yep. a main stage company so many many writers are emerging. Mm-hmm. Um, many many people who write for theatre will only ever have one play produced. I mean, it's a long it's a long uh, process t- to get your work to the stage, and there has to be somewhere. And that's how Melbourne Writers Theatre developed in 1982. It was set up by um, Jack Hibbert, who was a member of the Pram Factory, which mm. was the sort of iconic 70s theatre establishment and uh, associated with La Mama. And they just wanted a, a, a place where writers could develop their scripts and um, to, to try and encourage an Australian repertoire because in the 70s, prior to the 70s, we were mainly just doing English yeah. plays, European plays, classics. Yeah, nothing local, yeah. Nothing yeah. local. And then those people sort of burst onto the scene with... There was a lot of people you've probably heard of, David Williamson and mm-hmm. members of... Uh, a lot of the playwrights who are now, you know, very well established came out of that period. Yeah. And uh, that's how we we started, and it's just co- continued on. And uh, different writers have have come on board, and um, yeah, it's it's a place to learn the craft. I mean, I've been there for a long time, but there are a few established writers in Melbourne Writers Theatre mm-hmm. and lifetime members. I'm a lifetime member, mm-hmm. um, but many of the people who join now are coming out of the writing courses. Um, yep, that they've done us they've done us well actually. A lot of the uh, professional writing and editing courses they come along and they yeah and 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 you know they need to rewrite they need to keep writing and and learn that it takes a long time to get anywhere with a play yeah yeah and you have to sit there and be a part of a play reading and and people will then put in their two cents worth and you know for what that's worth sometimes (laughs) it's worth very little but um you need to sort of be open to all of that collaborative sort of processing yeah, we we talked about that fear, you know. And Lucas, like when you were writing your book, you know, that's the idea that people are going to read this book. But you you were happy in the knowledge that you would never see these people for the most part, right? With- um. So, well, when I first started, the first was in fact a school project. Yeah. So I wasn't thinking about that at all. Yeah. But when it became real, it's like, oh, I was halfway between having, oh no, what are people gonna think? And I'm sinking in the couch. That's right. That's not what I thought I was writing the book, but that's... Yeah. No, but... Uh, and the going the other way, it's like, 
yeah, if you don't like it, you can stuff it. Yeah, yeah that's right. Which is in line with the kind of dick joke heavy book I've written. <laughs> um, Adult story book, of course. Sure. That's a better way of putting mm-hmm. it. But it, it, you don't see him. Of course, there is the internet and yeah, all yeah. those wonderful commenters now. Mm-hmm. I haven't got any mean comments yet. I've got many comments at all. Maybe if I get more popular, I'll get more mean yeah, ones, and that will I mean. test my metal. <laughs> you know, I I haven't hasn't been widely kind of released mm-hmm. um, or popular enough to there be a lot out there. Yeah. Or I don't think no one's come up to me and said, "I read your book; it's garbage." Not that people really do that. But with, you know, if... Well, internet trolls do that sort of thing. People don't usually say those sorts of things. No, that's what I was saying. To your face. They never do. It's It's like, it's... I read your book. Yeah? It's not my... It's not my my thing. It's not my thing. That's okay. Or they'll say, oh, that was interesting. Of course. If someone Mm. said, I'd be okay. Like, I I find this funny. All right. Yeah. Cool. That's usually the reaction. But with theatre, that's not really the case, is it? Because... Um, well, we have uh, theatre critics who, hmm. yeah, who do that. But you yeah. know what? With the audience right in front of you as you're performing, yeah, it, exactly. you can be very immediate. You can tell, like, are they enjoying it? Exactly. Are yeah. they not? And that's why it's good to sit in the up the back so you can see everyone's reaction. And, <laughs> is that good, and though? Listen to the applause. <laughs> well, look, the whole business is terrifying. You can't, you can't be Hide fearful yourself. and you yeah. have to have some courage if you're going to write for the theatre because you'll be torn apart, you know, you'll be... Disappointed, you'll have lots of uh, people who don't like your work, people mm-hmm. who've got their own opinion about what you should be doing and what you're doing, and it's just best to ignore all of that and just yeah. do what you can and uh, hope for the best. I mean, you know, well, your work's not going to be produced if it doesn't have any any interest. Yeah, let's just say that. And some writers need to learn that they just keep writing the same, you know, and. Uh, yeah, you put it in front of an audience and it just doesn't work and mm. that's the test of the play. So really it's about the audience. It's about building up that thick skin and understanding that its criticism is constructive whether they yeah. mean it to be Yeah, but you can't bore yeah. people to death with your, you know, sort of navel-gazing rubbish. If it's yeah, not going right. to entertain people, then mm. it doesn't deserve to be on a stage. Yeah. And it does have to say something about our culture. I think theatre has to have something to say. Yeah. It has to be relevant. It has to have some sort of zeitgeist i mean not necessarily uh classic plays or musicals Mm -hmm. per se but um classic plays of course they can all always that's why they're classics because they keep having relevance but um new work has to say something about how we live today i believe it Mm -hmm. can't just be a you know great big splurge of nothing yeah which and I think, a lot of that around. And I think there are better outlets for that. Yeah, yeah there's exactly. novels and um, you know, <laughs> all sorts of things. But the, right. th- the stage is not the place to put those sorts mm. of things. Yeah. Do you think, um, though, that the stage is also an intensely political place? Yeah, because we're I, often like commenting to, about, you know... I really... Uh, one of my favourite playwrights is Stephen Sewell, who's um, he's a great political mind, mm. and he always writes from a place of anger, I think. Yeah. I think. And for me, that's good because we need stirring up, especially now in Australia. I mean, we need more, 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 more of mm. that. But um, you can't be timid. You have to, you have to be brave. And uh, I think all writers have to be brave to a certain extent. And they certainly right. don't have to be thinking, "What will people think of me? What, what will this? Who, who will this upset?" That's the last thing you should yeah. think of. Just write. Just write. Mm. Well, I think that's a good piece of stoic advice to round mm. us off before we get people to. 
um, advertise or explain what they do and where you can find you. Christine, here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite monologue that you've ever ever oh witnessed? Gosh. Well, um, I'm a big fan of Tennessee Williams, actually, and uh, I don't know if anybody knows the play uh, Streetcar Named Desire, but... Um, even I know that one. Yeah, you know? it was on the Simpsons. Simpsons one. Oh, the Simpsons, oh dear! You know, really? No, I really, oh, I know it properly. Yeah. yeah, well, it's been parodied many, many times. I'm yeah. sure, but um, she makes a, a, a wonderful, um, a wonderful monologue in the play about mm -hmm. uh, what happened to her young husband when she was a younger woman, and um, how that's sort of what's what that's done to her, and how it's how it's shaped her. And all of Tennessee Williams' plays are about you know. Repression and loss of hope, yeah. and but they're, they're wonderfully entertaining, and I just I just adore him as a writer. <laughs> Fantastic! Alrighty, um, mm. Christine, tell us where we can find the Melbourne Writers Theatre and well, what's coming you can up. Hop onto the internet and go to uh, www.melbournewriterstheatre.org.au, and on the website you'll find everything we're up to, and mm -hmm. you'll also find details about how to join. You can send us an email. You can ask us questions. It's got all the information about our season, which is coming up from the 5th of October until the 25th of October. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'd love to see you at the La Mama Courthouse in Drummond Street. It's very reasonably priced, and uh, you'll, you'll have a good night. It's near here too. It's near it is here. near very, here. Very, very close. So you could go... List, come here you and come. listen to a podcast and, and then, then go, go to and the theater. Yeah. Yeah. listen mm -hmm. to a fantastic what a great What a great evening. What a great evening. And how about your personal stuff, Christine? Do you have any yeah, links? Yeah, my musical like is um, coming up next year at Chapel of Chapel and that's called The White Mouse based on, inspired by the life of Nancy Wake and uh, that can be found at, at its website www.thewhitemousemusical.com Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yep. Well, thank you very much, Christine, Thanks for coming for on. Me. It's been great. Mm -hmm. uh, Lucas, where can people find you? Um, I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, I should probably spell my name, L-U-C-A-S-D-I-Q-U-I-N-Z-I-O. Mm -hmm. You should see how people on the phone mangle it. Yep. But, and, um, of course, the morning bell. We are uh, quite a way through editing and... In good time too, which is, which is nice. Uh, so it might actually be out sooner rather than later. Fantastic! And is That's that going to be on print, or is this going to be in print Fantastic. and digital? Awesome! Yeah. And um, what about you, Jill? What Just about? Because we forgot. What about me? Uh, you can find me at the Panadol on Twitter, and that's usually where I talk about. Um, what's coming up but if you want official stuff then you can go to com. that's my website and I'm just writing so I'm not really doing anything that publicly interesting at the moment but when I do it will be up on either of those two links uh, as Lucas says you can find The Morning Bell themorningbell.net and The Morning Bell on Twitter even though you guys don't really tweet that much Facebook is the place to be f for us apparently and I'm on, not on Facebook so there you it go is. It's, it's better you can well, Melbourne Writers Theatre is mm. also on Facebook. That's right, and you have yes. quite the following there. So. Yeah, you've, we've got a page and a group, and you're welcome to join any time. Fantastic. Find out what yeah. we're at through, put through Facebook. details on there. So go join the Melbourne Writers Theatre on Facebook and see their events. Check out their website. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll see you next time.